It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Nance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Backbone Planning Partners is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Now let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons. You've got Landon with you once again. I know what you're thinking. So blessed to have me three weeks in a row. Austin is getting back from his long vacation. You will have him back on the show with you next week, but uh, for today, you're you're stuck with me for one more episode. And if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Uh, Tycoons of Small Biz, we are about 26 months into our journey, about 108 episodes in. First episode was Cinco de Mayo of 2020. We started Tycoons because we wanted to give an opportunity for uh, small businesses to come on and to tell their stories and to prop them up in an effort to give them uh, exposure and to give them some of the recognition uh, that they deserve because uh, we truly believe that small business owners are the backbone of the American economy. So we undoubtedly have a, a tycoon with us today, and that would be Tony Nguyen. Uh, he's the CEO and the owner of Nanco Construction. And they are a firm based out of Los Angeles, California. And they uh, primarily do residential renovations, additions. Um, They also do some new construction projects. But Tony, um, really excited to have you on the show and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Landon. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, there, there are some instances where you connect with somebody and within about 10 to 15 minutes of, of getting to know them, you're just kind of gravitated towards them and their story. And uh, Tony is definitely one of those guys. When we first connected with him, he was on a job site and he was in his truck. And we we joke because we have had many of conversations and meetings with our construction owner uh, clients when they are, you know, on the job and they've got people, you know, coming up and knocking on the windows and asking them, you know, <laughs> to put on something. And that's exactly what happened during our conversation with with Tony. And uh, no doubt this is going to be a, a really insightful and a fun conversation. And, and honestly, Tony, I am very confident that by the end of our discussion today, that you will inspire at least one person, if not several other people that listen to the show to give them the, uh, the confidence that they need to go out and, you know, start a business because maybe they're, you know, they're teetering on whether or not they want to do something. And I think uh, I think your story can help to uh, to push them over the edge. So, Tony, just before we get into anything, tell us about yourself. I know uh, we know that you're you know you're married and you've got two girls. I I believe. Tell us your backstory, where you grew up. Tell us about your family. Anything that's important to you that that you'd like us to know, and that'll kind of naturally just transition into your business story. Cool. Uh, yeah. Again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, Born and raised in Bloomington, Minnesota is uh, where I grew up. Very suburban neighborhood, first generation, uh, Asian American. Father came over here after the Vietnam War. He's got his master's degree in electrical and mechanical engineering, so very smart guy. Um, my mom has always been like a housewife. So, you know, I grew up typical kid around his father doing construction around the house, thinking that, you know, I would never need this skill ever. You know, hated it my whole life. Wasn't the greatest kid, you know, always got going in and out of trouble. Middle child is uh, my family likes to make fun of it and make light of it, right? So middle child syndrome, always ignored. So, you know, I was always getting in and out of trouble. I'm actually a high school dropout. Not really too proud of that, but, you know, it kind of molded me to who I am today. You know, I have a really strong um, relationships with my friends from middle school. So even to this day, 30 years later, we're still really close friends. We're in each other's weddings. So that's I kind of grew up really like family oriented. You know, I have a pretty small family, 
immediate family, but I have a lot of cousins and stuff, you know, that were always, they're older, educated, you know, so I kind of always looked up to be like them, but I kept getting in trouble. So that was kind of like uh, my only backfall on that. But yeah, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Bloomington, Minnesota, uh, moved out to California in 2014, moved out that way with my wife and my then uh, two-year-old daughter. So, and now here we are in LA. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's you, you and your wife, your two-year-old daughter, do you have uh, any other children or just your daughter? So now my two-year-old daughter is now turning 11. Um, and we do have a three-year-old, Ellie, who's been, uh, she's a Southern California baby. She was born and raised here. Like I said, we moved here in 2014 when my daughter, Avery, was two then. Moved here for a totally different business. It was here for, I was in music for a little bit. So I've been doing construction since 2006 kind of fell in my lap with the whole like real estate investing and stuff like that and being a contractor. I actually went into music licensing for about seven years, took a leap of faith. My wife, I was like, Hey, we're going to move to California. And three months later, I told her that we packed up and sold all of our stuff and we flew across country and met the truck here and we were living in California. So uh, that's how it all started, you know? And then, yeah, she, she was, she was two back then. She's, she's, we've been here almost nine years. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Well, an interesting fact, maybe, maybe, well, you, you probably know this, but as we were, uh, Daryl and I were just connecting, you know, right before you joined us on Zoom, your last name came up. It was the first time that Daryl had seen that last name before. And so I said, yeah, it's it's pronounced Nguyen. That, that's correct, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways to say it. Uh, Nguyen is going to be the easiest way to say it, just so there's no explanation that you have to do for anyone. Um, when I was going through school, I actually said Nguyen, like really, just really spelt it out. Uh, but the proper way to say it is actually Win. So the ending win. is actually, yeah, it's actually silent. That's so right. So the U Y E N is Win. But when I try, to, I don't, I don't have time to explain to people, so I just yeah. say Nguyen. Right. Okay. Win. Okay. So when that's right. And so uh, I was telling Daryl that uh, that I'm familiar with that because I dated a couple of of Vietnamese girls in college. And so we Googled when as a last name and just an interesting fact that I certainly didn't know, but it's the most common surname in Vietnam. And it's also in the top 100 last names in America, Australia, and it was one other country. So that's how, that's how prominent that, uh, that your last name is. So a little fun. Oh, fact. Wow. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really popular last name, like Johnson Smith, you know, right. Like right, 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 right. So, um, all right. Very cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. So, uh, Nandco construction. So first tell us, what what's the meaning you know behind Nanco, and then tell us, you know how did how did this come about, and tell us kind of just the timeline of of how long you've been doing what you're doing, and kind of what you guys what you guys do primarily. It's funny because uh, so like I said, I, I you know I, I stumbled across construction based of um, the mindset of being a real estate investor. Um, like I said, I was a high school dropout, so you know immediately after you know I moved out about eighteen about that age and you know you know you know every every kid going into an adulthood you're kind of like okay what am I going to do with myself right so I have this really close friend of mine Mark he's always been like a really business savvy kind of guy you know um, even to this day I mean he owns a really nice resort up in, in Yosemite you know so and he lives out his way now but anyways he convinces me to go to like a real estate investing seminar and, you know, we're like 19, 20. I'm like, dude, we can't do this. What do you mean? Like, we don't have the means to do it. He's like, just go with me. Just go with me. Just just trust me. Just go, right? It was a typical spiel thing, you know, of, you know trying to sell you the courses and all that. They gave us this little book that kind of just outlines the basics of real estate investing, bird dogging, wholesaling, contract for deeds, just all that stuff. I kind of shelf it and put it away. And I kind of get approached by another friend. It's like, hey, come do mortgages with me. So that was my segue into real estate was doing mortgages, loans and stuff like that. And then I was doing it for a couple of years, accelerated really good, you know, um, loan officer of the year, you know, all the, all the good stuff. And then I realized I was like, I'm doing a lot of loans for these investors, a lot of loans for investors. And I could do that. 
right? So I really studied the loan programs, the construction programs and stuff like that. And that's when I got into real estate investing in about 05, 04, 05, 06, um, going into the 08 recession, right? So I'm learning, I'm learning all this real estate stuff. And that's when I kind of started learning, doing all that. When I was doing all that, I had a company called Nguyen and Company, spelled out. And that's what I was doing all my real estate transactions under. Um, and then obviously the 08 recession happens. And so me and my wife, we liquidated what we could, kept our whatever rentals that we could. And then I liquidated that company. And then I went into the music, did the music for a little bit. And then when the music kind of fell apart, do some kind of contractual agreements with partners out here in California, my wife was like, why don't you get back into real estate? Why don't you get back into construction or something? And I was like, oh, I don't want to do construction, but real estate, we can't afford Southern California. You know, um, median house was at like 600,000 at the time. I searched out some ads to go find a job as a project manager. I wanted to be a construction manager for an investment company so I can understand how the LA market was working. So I find a place in San Diego. Um, I'm moving from Van Nuys, which is the San Fernando Valley, to Woodland Hills. And the day that I'm moving, I get a message saying, can you meet my project manager in Gardena today? And I was like, oh, man, I'm moving right now. I head out that way. Long story short, I got the job working for this company for $15 an hour, living in L.A., going to San Diego for $15 an hour to understand the market. Did it for a couple of years. And then I started doing my own investing here in L.A. Um, when we were doing our investing, we were doing like 20, 30 properties a year. And you live and die by the contract, you know? So I had a construction business still back in Minnesota with my high school buddy, Exteriors Plus, had it since 2009. Um, but we primarily did like roofing, siding, windows and stuff like that. So out here, when I'm doing all my investing, we kept getting into roadblocks with all the GCs I was hiring. So instead of like hiring subs and running the projects, I was hiring GCs and I was managing the GCs because we were doing such volume. And then every time we came into a snag, I always had to wait for them, their own schedule. So then that's when my wife was like, why don't you just go get your construction license here in California? So, you know, I went and got that. My partners that, uh, my partners that I was doing all the, the flips with, uh, Jesse was like, dude, just go get it. You know, you're a smart guy and get it. So I took the test. I passed both the law and the trade in like an hour. That's how Nanko started. You know, I did, I really, I just didn't know what to name it. <laughs> I really didn't know what to name it. And I was just like, okay, so I'm just going to take all the acronyms of what New England Company was and just smash it together. And it sounds cool, Nanko. So that's how Nanko was started. And it started as a one-man band, really just because I was just sick of waiting for these contractors to, you know, I couldn't pull a permit without them. I couldn't do anything without them. And so it really it was just an avenue for me to just be able to continue doing our investment property. That's really like how Nanko Construction started. And like I said, it was just a one-man band. It was just me with a license. Anytime we have a snag, I would just go pull it. Uh, my wife would help us with like the staging materials, pick up, you know, the, the small business. So that's how we started. And then it just kind of blew up. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. I, I, a couple of things I want to draw out from what you said and, and highlight. Uh, I'm, I'm going to attempt to make a, a parallel here between what you described, how you went out to work for this company to get your feet wet and learn the market into, you know, an internship because I would almost consider what you did an internship. I do some, well, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to do quite a bit of volunteer work and I would basically just kind of um, mentor um, high school juniors and seniors. And the same, the, a piece of advice that I, I blanket, you know, blanketly would give them is like, do internships in college, do multiple internships in college because it is a, it is a easy, non-committal, you know, short time period situation where you can learn a business and see if it's something that you're interested in. And that's what popped into my head when you when you described how you went out to do that job making $15 an hour so that you could you could learn the market. You could learn how they do things there, right? You could learn the pros and the cons, the do's and the don'ts. And then, you know, use that to your advantage to, you know, to, to help propel you forward. So uh, I, I just, I love that, that notion. And that's something that I, most of our clients are business owners, but some of them are not. And a lot of them want to be business owners. And so when we kind of, 
you know, have some, some dialogues with them. That's one of the things I tell them. I'm like, if, if you're interested in this business, like figure out a way to go to this, to go to that industry and to immerse yourself in that industry for three or six or 12 months and learn a little bit about it and see if it's really something that you would like to do for possibly the rest of your career or your life. So first I want to just draw attention to that because I think that is such, such a, uh, just an, an amazing and creative and smart way to get into and learn something, you know, and, and sometimes if you're going to do something like that, like you're just going to have to kind of take what they, you know, will give you. And then you got to, you know, prove that, uh, that, you know, that you're worth kind of, uh, you know, keeping around and, you know, eventually kind of uh, moving up the ranks. So that was the first thing. Second thing I wanted to highlight from what you said was uh, your wife. Having somebody like that in your corner, you know, that's that, that, that can look at you and just say, you know, you've been talking about all these issues that you've been having with these contractors. Why don't you just go solve the problem yourself and get your license, you know? You know, so... Uh, it's just, it's so, it's so important to have somebody like that, you know, in your corner. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not married or you're not in a relationship, you know, form that relationship with, with a friend, with a, a mentor where you can, you, you can have that mutually beneficial, you know, ongoing dialogue with somebody so that they know enough about your life and they know enough about what you're trying to accomplish in your life so that when something like that happens, they can do exactly what your wife did and says, you know, and say to you, hey, why don't you go solve this problem yourself? So uh, anyway, I just wanted to highlight those two things. But all right. So I love the backstory of on uh, Nanco, how the name came about. So tell us who who is Nanco Construction Company today? Uh, you know, what do you guys do? Uh, I know we I already kind of mentioned what you guys specialize in, but just tell us a little bit more about the inner workings of the business. NACO is a vehicle that, you know, allows me to feed the beast. And what that kind of means is what my end goal is personally. Um, when I build NACO construction, I'm assuming is something more real estate investment related and kind of building out a portfolio. But why don't you tell us like what, 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 what does that look like for you? Like what's, what's really the end goal for, for you and your family and for NANCO and how is NANCO kind of supporting you towards that yeah you know the end goal for everybody obviously is to kind of do what they want when they want with who they want right whatever that means to you uh for me it's to spend in a lot of time with my family you know i i worked a lot when my oldest avery was uh younger i wasn't around too much you know always working so i'm trying to be around more for my three-year-old and now when my 11 year old is going into her teenage years i'm trying to you know so the end goal is to spend as much time with them right take them to school whatever that may be. And I found that real estate acquisitions and investments and stuff like that was one vehicle that worked for me. Being that, you know, I don't have an education on paper, on paper. I don't have college education, but I have a lot of experience and I put myself in situations to learn. I'm a very uh, right to left thinker. I'm a very kind of show me once, maybe twice. I'll understand how to do it kind of thing. And I'll take it and run with it. So when I had when I built NACO, it was really, like I said, for the access to labor and it was access to um, pulling permits and just, you know, dealing with engineers and stuff like that. So we take that and it allows me to provide for the 35 employees I have and their families, right? They provide me the loyalty, the labor that I need. I don't use too many subcontractors, but I do have them. But my in-house guys are very loyal. They've been with me since I started it. You know, so they see me grow from like going from like a single guy by myself to five project managers, construction managers, like everyone, like building it into a firm now, right? And so the vehicle is we intake, my my eyes of the vehicle is we intake whatever is client work, right? We take that, we process it, we do whatever we need to do. Um, and that income gets dispersed all through, you know, the salaries and stuff like that. And I pour it directly into the investments. The investments are going to be their flips our quick turn developments and stuff like that, that money right there, I kind of split it up between whatever financial goals I have and then into a rental portfolio that I have all over the country. So that's kind of like the vehicle that I have that I do that I really cater to NANCO. Like I said, is to cultivate, curate, 
the, per, the the talent. You know, it's all about the talent. You can't do it by yourself. So that's where I really focus a lot of my energy on. Everything else kind of just falls into place. Right. Yeah, I love I love how you describe that because it uh, it shows us it tells us that you you know you've really put a lot of thought you know into kind of like this life plan you know if you will for yourself and your family and obviously your your company is intertwined in that. So I want to unpack that a little bit further, but just before we do that, Tony, we're gonna just uh, pause for a quick uh, uh, call to action here, okay? Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years and you'd like to know what your business is worth, Please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, Tycoons, we're back. We're here with uh, Tony Nguyen. Tony, what you just described, uh, I I think, is something just worth having an additional conversation on. You have kind of you have done some work that that I think very few of us have done. And what I mean by that is being able to draw this comparison and be able to draw this roadmap while simultaneously intertwining your personal goals along with with your business goals. You know that's that's something that we kind of talk to, you know, quite a bit. Uh, to our clients, and we find that most people have never really done anything like that, let alone thought about it. So, I'm curious how did you how did you come into that into that thought process? Did that, was this inspired by maybe your your buddy that you said you know you really respect that that you know has a lot of business ventures? Was it from a book you read? You know, was it from you know family values and dynamics growing up? Just talk to us a little bit about how you you came into that mindset. For me, it's just, it was family values, seeing how hard my parents worked coming over to this country. My dad always held everything to a very high standard, right? Like he, he was very high level military, came over, was able to get, like I said, his master's in electrical and mechanical engineering, you know, nothing got in his way, you know, um, for for him to provide for his family. And so for me, that kind of just triggered a work ethic that I think I just had. And I think like a lot of our, the inside joke with a lot of my friends was like, I was just too dumb to quit, right? So, and the, you know, a lot of people always say like, well, if it's not working out, just quit. Like, you know, and like, it just wasn't in my blood. It just wasn't. And like, so like, I just felt like I had to figure something out, you know, cause knowing like the childhood I went through and what I did, and I take full responsibility of all the actions I did. So there's nobody to blame. Nobody's going to give me the golden ticket. Nobody's going to do it for me. And I just had to figure out, okay, what, what is it that I wanted? And what I wanted was I didn't want to work as much as my parents did. Right. That was, that was my goal. It was like, I don't want, okay, well, you still have to pay your bills. You still have to have a life. Right. And so I always shot for the moon, you know? And so like, I would look at like, like, the people that were doing it, that were really doing it, right? So like, I'm gonna say like Grant Cardone, right? Like some people might like him, some people might not like him, but for what he's able to do and the assets he had under management, he was like one guy that I was like, oh, wow, like this guy's, he's really wild, but he's, he's got something figured out, right? And, you know, I never went to any of his events or anything like that, but I kind of just kind of studied like what he was doing, you know? And so that kind of gave me the picture. I was like, okay, so I, like I said, I'm a very right to left thinker. I like to very reverse engineer. Okay. So what do I need to have a house in Minnesota on the lake, live in California, and provide for my mom and dad that live in Texas? What is it that I need? How much do I need to make? What is going to get me there? And I figured, okay, well, I'm not going to go get a job. I don't got an MBA. I don't can't go get this. I'm not going to do it off a of salary. Okay, what's the next best thing for a person to get into without an education? And one thing is USA is trade schools, right? So I try to make like, and this kind of segues into, I'm trying to make construction cool. I'm at a point in my life and my career now where 
I want all the young guns on my team. All my project managers and project coordinators are like 20 to 26. They're young guys. People always think working in construction and trades and stuff like that is it's not cool. It doesn't pay. It doesn't do this. Well, I'm an example of that that is clearly wrong, right? And so I'm trying to make construction cool. So I figured, I was like, okay, well, I really want to be an investor. I don't have the money to do all the investments that I want to do. What does every investor, realtor, what do they all need? They all need a good contractor. They all need a good contractor. Everybody needs a good contractor. I have like 20 friends that are realtors and I'm the only contractor. So they call you all the time. And if you, and this business is a very relationship-based business, right? You don't burn bridges. You always make the person that brought you the deal, make them look good, whatever it takes, even if you're going to lose money. So I figured, I was like, okay, construction is an avenue for me to be able to do my end goal. My end goal is to acquire property. Live in, I live on a lake in Minnesota, have a house in California, pay for my parents, everything that they need in there when they're going into retirement. So that was like my real, like, my real, like, why? You know, everyone's like, what's your why? What's your why? Like, that was my real why. And like, when you ask somebody their why, like, just say like, oh, I just want to be rich or I want this. My why was very clear, very clear. The vision board was there. My wife would think I'm nuts sometimes. Like, like I said, I get very obsessive when I find something that I like or something that I need to know that needs to happen. And what really triggered for me was when I had my first daughter. I was like, okay, I'm 30 years old. I'm about to have a kid. <laughs> I was like, ask my wife. I'm freaking out. I'm like, hey, we're about to have a kid. We still have the support of our family because, you know, she was born in Minnesota. So we're coming out of a recession. And now I'm like, we cannot spend $100, more than $100 a week until we have this baby. Like, cause I don't know, I don't have a job. I don't know what's going on, right? Like I'm making odds and ends meet by just doing like odds and end things, right? Like flipping couches, flipping whatever I can get my hands on to, to make money. You can't do that forever when you have trying to have a family. So that's when like the construction business started back in Minnesota, just a small one. And that's what I just was like, I need to do construction. This is my avenue. This is, I can build the beast to be able to feel what it is that I really wanted to do, which is, rentals, flipping, um, build a team that can just eventually do it for me, right? And so when it was just me by myself, I would work 18 hours a day from running the projects to helping my wife stage. So she would stage all of her projects, you know, so they would save us money. And so she would say, well, she needed help. I would help her at night, right? Nighttime, I would scour for deals. You know, early mornings, I would go to Home Depot at like five, six in the morning, wait outside so I can go inside and walk down the drywall aisle and find me a drywall guy. Like there was constantly work. And so like my why was again, I'm every little every little deposit that I'm making right now is for my end goal in and I'm and I'm doing it, you know, be able to do it now, you know, be able to take care of my dad, my mom, you know. Um I'm actually in the process of trying to move them to California now. So, you know, I just bought them a house to move to California. You know, and that's a big that's a big accomplishment that I feel for myself, you know, and being, like I said, everything I went through, all that, all that, and be able to build this from scratch. So, and now to see it kind of like it happening, the fruition is just happening like step by step. And I just look back at all the little deposits that we made, like this was exactly what I pictured. And that, that that's exactly how I figured it out to do it. Yeah. Very cool, man. A lot of nuggets there. Um, a lot of really good nuggets there. You know, and I think, you know, what, what you're describing you know, um, I think that when, when people have that, that not just a North star, right. But that plan and that roadmap to move you in that direction of your North star, which you clearly have, I think that that, that helps make your decisions in life a whole lot easier, right? especially, you know, um, in business, because when you know what your plan is and what you're working towards, and you're really specific about what you are trying to accomplish in what timeframes, uh, you know, when you have a business decision to make, it makes it a lot easier because all you got to ask yourself is how does this decision plug into my plan and move me closer to my North star. So does that, does that resonate with you? I mean, does that, when you're making your big business decisions, do you, is that kind of the lens that you look at it through? Like, okay, 
I'm going to make this decision. How is this going to impact me now? But more importantly, how is that going to impact me as I move forward in my journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the way my uh, little brain works. Um, I, I'm very, uh, like I said, I, I, I micro-focus, mac macro-focus, and then I hyper-focus on everything, right? And I try, like, getting to, and I mean, it could be a problem of mine because a lot of my friends, you know, that own really successful businesses, too, you know, that have, like, a staff of 100, he's like, dude, like, have somebody else do that. Have somebody else do that, right? So, but, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, every decision that comes across my my day, I, I do think about, is this going to hurt the business? Is it going to help the business or is it, and by doing that, is it going to hurt or help me, my wife, my kids and stuff like that? Every decision I make, even in my personal life, you know, um, you know, I like to have fun. Right. And, but the thing is like, there's a time and place for it. And, you know, I, even though it comes down to chores, right. So like I'll hire someone to cut the grass, I'll hire someone to clean the pool. And it's not because I can hire them and just want to, like, it's because that one hour I need, I would rather either spend it with my daughter for her self-development or I'd rather spend it on the business that could help us macro this business to another level. It'd be different if I spent that to just sit around and do nothing. So all those type of decisions in my personal life and the business absolutely are looked through that lens to help me get to that end goal. One of the reasons I, I, I love having these discussions with our guests, you know, on the show is because Sometimes our conversations go in a totally unexpected direction, and uh, I love it, man. It's just, it's a lot of fun, and uh, I think that's what's happening here. And so, although, you know, we have not discussed this at all before, and this was not mentioned, but one thing just kind of came to me, and, you know, if if somebody's listening, whether they're, a, you know, they own a successful business, or they're, a, they're an executive, or they're just in an entry level, you know, position kind of getting started in their professional lives, but uh, they want to, you know, they're interested and want to get into some kind of real estate, you know, investment opportunities like you've been involved with for your entire adult life. You know, where, where would you encourage that person to start? Yeah, I get that asked a lot. I get that asked a lot through, um, you know, Instagram and just whatever. Right. And, the one thing I always tell people, you know, obviously, whatever stage you are in your life, if you're a full grown adult or if you're a kid trying to, you know, that's hungry, just want to get it, you always hear provide value for somebody, right? So I always advise people the one of the best skills that you can do and you can teach us yourself is learn how to run comps. And that's learning what the property is worth based off of the sales history of the past six months within the location of the half mile, right? So that's why you always hear real estate's location, location, location. Well, that's true based off of a sales record and what drives a sales record is obviously the location of what city, what neighborhood and stuff like that. And then once you pinpoint that. So I always advise people, if you can learn how to run comps on your own, um, that'd be great. And you can easily just go to like a Redfin, to a Zillow, pick a property, and just see where it is on the map and just kind of see like the four or five houses in that circle in that area within half mile um, will give you that value. Another skill or another thing that you can do, I always tell people is, like you said earlier, is go intern for a contractor or go intern for a realtor, right? If you intern for a realtor, just know that most realtors are just salespeople. They're just buying and selling, catering to their clients. But you want to find a realtor that has investing in the back of their head. A lot of realtors, again, so there's, you're going to probably interview a guy that's going to be just like a guy or girl, just like me. And, but they're a realtor, they're a broker. And that's their, that's their beast that they're building for their end goal, which is for their portfolio. Right. So investing is really not that hard. It's really not that hard. It's just the data is out there for everybody. We're living in a world with the internet. Like there should be no excuse for anybody to be able to learn it. And for me, what like, I learned it off of another website. Can I say the website? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I learned, I first, when I first was writing mortgages and I was like, okay, um, how do I learn how to like do real estate investing? That's when bigger pockets first came out in like the early 2000s. And my wife was like, you are so obsessed. You're like on this website every single night, reading post after post, going down this rabbit hole, just reading post after post, post after post. And that's what I did is I exposed myself and gave myself that education to kind of like learn 
what people's mistakes were, what they were was working, what areas are good and stuff like that. What a comp was, what a bird dog was, what a wholesaler was, what a contract for deed is, what a tech, like I learned all that. And funny enough, 2015, I'm in LA, I met my business partners on Bigger Pockets. And ever since then, we've been hitting the ground, running hard for almost eight years now. So, you know, you just have to find a way to create value for a person. So whether, like I said, if you're going to find a realtor, I would find a realtor that has investing in their background. My best thing I would say is to find like a construction firm or a contractor. You might, because a lot of contractors are, a lot of contractors are really good at doing the work and they're horrible working in the office. They're horrible. A lot of contractors, and no disrespect to any of them out there, but you know a lot of you guys are horrible business people. Right. And that's why we have such a bad stigma of con contractors, you know, are don't know how to talk to clients. And they as soon as something comes up, they just like have an attitude and you know, like have like I said, I'm trying to make construction cool. Right. Me, on the other hand, I'm horrible in the field and I'm pretty decent in the office. Right. So I know a little bit, I can do drywall framing, tile, and stuff like that, but that's not what I wanted to do. Right. So um I already kind of had that skill, so I didn't need to intern, so say, or work for a contractor, right? So that's why I was like, okay, I don't want to work for a realtor because a realtor is not investing firm. So that's why I seeked out working for an investment firm, right? That self-performed a lot of their construction stuff. Because when you self-perform your construction stuff, you need a project manager, you need a construction manager to know if something looks wrong or something's out of place or something like that to be able to keep the project moving, the budget going and stuff like that. So that would be like my one main tip is to find, depending on what your end goal is, right? Like if you want to be investing, find someone that you can work under. So how I transitioned that to even doing deals was I'll project manage your project for a small fee, even for free. Let me just show me what I can show you what I can do. That's how I met my partners. I was like, I'll, I'll do your house 30 days. It'll be under budget. I'll do it in 30 days and you can pay me what you want to pay me. And he was like, okay, sure, you know, and I did it. And I did it. And then he was like, okay, can you do two at a time? I was like, throw them at me, just throw them at me. Right. So you provided value. So even for like my business partners now in, in the investing, provided them value. They were missing that piece of a construction manager, a project manager, someone that can run their projects. Right. Because most investors don't want to do that. They just want to find deals, put the deals together, raise the money. So find someone down that alley that you can go work for, whether it's a, a single contractor kind of guy, construction firm, or a real estate investor that's on his own or a real estate firm or something like that. That's yeah. what I would 100% say. Like, But again, like I said, it depends on where you are in your life. Like if you're like 40 some years old, I mean, I'm 40 some, but if you're like 50, 40, 50 years old, like you're going to be like, well, I can't do that. I can't, you know, like I can't give up my time. You can do what you want to do. That's what a lot of people don't really understand. And you're going to do what you have to do. And a lot of people don't understand, like, you have to prioritize those things. So, like, if you can't kind of, like, learn what people's mistakes were, what they were working, what areas are good and stuff like that, what a comp was, what a bird dog was, what a wholesaler was, what a contract for deed is, what a tech, like, I learned all that. And funny enough, 2015, I'm in L.A., I met my business partners on bigger pockets. And ever since then, we've been hitting the ground, running hard for almost eight years now. So, you know, you just have to find a way to create value for a person. So whether, like I said, if you're going to find a realtor, I would find a realtor that has investing in their background. My best thing I would say is to find like a construction firm or a contractor. You might, because a lot of contractors are, a lot of contractors are really good at doing the work and they're horrible working in the office. They're horrible. A lot of contractors, and no disrespect to any of them out there, but you know a lot of you guys are horrible business people, right? And that's why we have such a bad stigma of con contractors, you know, are don't know how to talk to clients. And they, as soon as something comes up, they just like have an attitude, and you know, like have it. Like I said, I'm trying to make construction cool, right? Me, on the other hand, I'm horrible in the field and I'm pretty decent in the office. Right. So I know a little bit, I can do drywall framing tile and stuff like that, but that's not what I wanted to do. Right. So um, I already kind of had that skill. So I didn't need to 
intern, so say, or work for a contractor, right? So that's why I was like, okay, I don't want to work for a realtor because a realtor is not investing first. So that's why I seeked out working for an investment firm, right? That self-performed a lot of their construction stuff. Because when you self-perform your construction stuff, you need a project manager, you need a construction manager to know if something looks wrong or something's out of place or something like that to be able to keep the project moving, the budget going and stuff like that. So that would be like my one main tip is to find, depending on what your end goal is, right? Like if you want to be investing, find someone that you can work under. So how I transitioned that to even doing deals was I'll project manage your project for a small fee, even for free. Let me just show me what I can show you what I can do. That's how I met my partners. I was like, I'll, I'll do your house 30 days. It'll be under budget. I'll do it in 30 days and you can pay me what you want to pay me. And he was like, okay, sure. You know, and I did it and I did it. And then he was like, okay, can you do two at a time? I was like, throw them at me, just throw them at me. Right. So you provided value. So even for like my business partners now in, in the investing provided them value, they were missing that piece of a construction manager, a project manager, someone that can run their projects. Right. Because most investors don't want to do that. They just want to find deals, put the deal together, raise the money. So find someone down that alley that you can go work for, whether it's a, a single contractor kind of guy, construction firm, or a real estate investor that's on his own or a real estate firm or something like that. That's yeah. what I would 100% say. Like, But again, like I said, it depends on where you are in your life. Like if you're like 40 some years old, I mean, I'm 40 some, but if you're like 50, 40, 50 years old, like you're going to be like, well, I can't do that. I can't, you know, like I can't give up my time. You can do what you want to do. That's what a lot of people don't really understand. And you're going to do what you have to do. And a lot of people don't understand, like, you have to prioritize those things. So, like, if you can't be in the field because you're working nine to five, right, for an investor, what's valuable is scouring through the hundreds of leads that they're put across their desk. You might get 100 leads in your email. You might only set up 10 appointments to go look at because they fit your parameter for that specific investor because every other investor is different. They have different parameters that they want to stay in. So if you narrow it down to 10, and let's say you scour through all of them, he's like, hey, here's my parameters. And you scour from at night. That doesn't affect anything for you, right? And that's value that you're going to provide that investor. You're like, hey, here's 10 that I scoured. That I think that's going to work out for you. Take a look at it. And he's like, hey, you know what? This one looks good. This one looks really good. Thank you. So that's how like, you could provide value for investors. Contractors, easy right there. You could provide value by finding them more laborers, finding them more deals, finding them a way to get their, to do logistics and get their materials through the site a lot more efficiently. That does not take a lot of time, but that is tremendous value for those people, those people in those positions. Yeah, I love that. You know, if you, if you really want to get, you know, roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty and learn whatever you want to learn, right? Whether it's, you know, an industry, it's a trade, it's a, it's a business, you know, strategy or idea. You got to humble yourself and, you know, reach out to somebody that is doing what you think that you want to be doing and say to them, Hey, you know, I, I, I've already got a job, you know, I already work nine to five. So, you know, I can't, I can't come work for you, but is there something that I could do to provide value to you for four or six hours per week? for a few months and can I, and in return, all I ask is that I just want to learn, you know, from what you are doing. And I love that approach. I think Tony, that very, very few people are actually willing to do something like that. I think that's a phenomenal way to learn something from somebody that is doing what you believe that you would like to do. So I love that advice. So as Absolutely. we kind of start to push up against the end of our conversation here, Tony, um, just kind of give us a little glimpse into the future, you know, for, for Tony and for, for Nanco, what's, what's the future hold for you, man? Uh, the future's pretty bright. Let's talk, I mean, we'll talk about the business a little bit now and what we're doing in numbers and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, we started up just mid six figures, but now we're, you know, we're pushing, you know, closer to 12 million in, in, uh, in projects. And a lot of our projects that we're doing now are a lot higher end. So we're 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 turning out five, six million dollar homes now. And we have five of them in the pipeline that are actually gonna happen soon here. And I think that's gonna really help us get more recognition. My goal for NACO is to one day drive down the 405 and my daughter's like, hey, my dad built that skyscraper. That's kind of like my goal. 
so that's kind of like what we're working towards right now. I've definitely built a good team of young guys that are hungry. My field guys are, you know, they're a little older, little grumpy guys, but they, they're smart. They're good with their hands, but I understand that they're phasing out here shortly. And so what I'm focusing on right now is, is cultivating the young guys to be working with their hands and trades and stuff like that while working on the management side of things. Because what I really want is I really want to cater to the clients that are going to build 20, $30 million homes here in SoCal. And I feel like it's not going to slow down. I feel like it's going to get a little bit more competitive being because the quote unquote, the market is dropping, right? So there's going to be a lot of guys that are willing to do things a lot cheaper, but I, you know, I'm, I'm very good at explaining to clients, you know, that you only get three things, you know, you're going to get the, the, the speed or stay on budget or good quality, right? And those are the only ways that a person can really drop their pricing. We try to build a brand and a, and, and keep value for these for these clients and, and not really bend so much. But I see that's where we're kind of really going because it's, it's already happening right now with a lot of these higher homes that we're starting to build. Are you agreeing with and starting to feel the sentiment, you know, that is out there right now that, you know, that we're coming into coming into a recession and with interest rates going up, mortgage rates going up and all that. Are you starting to see and feel a slowdown or not so much? It's kind of 50 50. So like me and my team, we, we've been planning for this for a couple of years, knowing that this was going to happen soon. And this, I mean, we, I think we are, I mean, we are in a recession, but it's a different recession than the last time. Right. So like we're in a recession now where there still is no housing. We're in a recession where a lot of people are not upside down. We're in a recession where a lot of people hold a lot of equity and they're sitting on 3% interest rate. So they're not going to sell. Right. So where's all this, there's still going to be demand, but where's the supply coming from? Right. The supply is not coming from sellers that are going to want to sell anymore, right? Because of the equity, the interest rates and stuff like that. LA makes it hor- like horrible process to try to build a house. So the building process is really slow. Even when COVID hit and the supply chain was was just, just hit across the board, prices were up. Construction did not slow down for anybody, right? So that should just tell you that this recession is a little different. And so... A lot of our properties that we put on here on the market here a couple of weeks ago, we we were a little worried at first. We were like, oh, usually this thing will be sold in like a week. We had maybe like four or five showings and it kind of went quiet. And then all of a sudden we're getting cash offers for hundreds of thousands of dollars over our asking still in this market. So I think, you know, this is the time to really pay attention to the market in regards to like how these hedge funds are buying up all these houses. So where's all the supply coming from, right? They're going to buy all, they're buying all these, these houses. No one's wanting to sell. Mortgage rates are going up. So people aren't going to be able to really afford such a nice a, a house that they want. So they're going to have to stay to rent. Rent's going to go up still. And the only people that really benefit from a recession is going to be like these big corporations, right? So for us small guys, I mean, I just advise people all the time is just sit on as much cash as you can and get ready for this crazy ride that we're going to be in for the next three, four years. Well, I can attest to a lot of what you said uh, there. I just, uh, I just sold a property to a hedge fund about three weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. They're just, there's just, and they're paying, you know, so like, cause like right now you have sellers that were, were used to just putting a price out and having like 20 people thrown at them. Right. And now these sellers are realizing well, if I reduce my price, I'm losing, I'm losing that money. But you're not really losing because you never sold it, right? But these hedge funds are still going in and paying big top dollar because they know that the supply is not there. Supply is not there. The demand is still there. And so what happens with these hedge funds? They can play the long game where they can rent it out at high market rents. What are you going to do? You have to go live somewhere. And then now everybody, then everybody's like, well, I'm just going to go to a state with no state income tax and all this. But what you don't understand is now your property tax are getting jacked up like crazy, you know? And so this is a big vicious cycle that we're in. I don't know. Like, I really don't know if I knew I would be in construction, you know, if I really knew it. But, you know, one thing I'm just telling my wife is like, we have kids this time around. Last time we didn't have kids. So like, it was just me and her and our two dogs, you know? So like this time we have two daughters, we're in a state with no family. So it's like, we have to be a little smarter, but being that I'm, Luckily, I'm in the thick of the business. I can understand and kind of see these things coming from like a mile away, you know, but I really feel construction is not going to stop. It's it's not going to stop. Rents are going to go even more crazy right now. You know, I don't know. But then like, because LA is such a big market, right? Where like you have a lot of cash wealthy people, liquid people that 
maybe could buy a $1.8 million house cash, but don't want to because they don't want to quote unquote overpay, but they'll buy like a 1.4 and just be comfortable and ride it out for a little bit. And you might run into a seller who's overextended and can't, he might have equity in it, but he's scared, you know, fear, fear creates a frenzy, right? So that he might just sell it for a good deal or whatever. You don't know. Um, but LA is such a big market that I think that it's going to stay pretty strong. So Tony, if, uh, if people wanted to, to track you down, either you individually or Nanco construction, where do they, where should they find you? I don't have a Nanco construction Instagram. I'm, I'm really active on Instagram, uh, but I use my personal one. It's at is that Neef, N-E-E-F. Um, that was my nickname when I was a kid. I don't know. It's stuck with me ever since, but, um, People can find me on there. I'm really active on there. I do answer a lot of my DMs on there that come through when I have time. I don't really use anything else just because I, I really just don't have time to do it. But that or our website is www.nancoconstruction.com. You can kind of see a lot of the nicer homes that we've done there. It kind of looks more formal business and stuff like that. But best place to reach me is on Instagram. All right. Awesome. Well, Tony, uh, really appreciate you making the time today, man. Really enjoyed the conversation. Certainly learned a lot from you. And I have no doubt that uh, our listeners will will share that same sentiment. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us today, Tony. And looking forward to uh, following along with your continued success. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for everything. Thanks for the spotlight. And uh, have a good day. Yeah, absolutely. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.